we have an interesting and an important subject coming up. And I've got some excellent panelists from around the country who will be joining us tonight from a variety of um, businesses, resources, backgrounds, and experiences. Our title for tonight is Real Talk, and it's just a simple title. Uh, we didn't really take the time to think of anything really amazingly creative or out of the box. We figured, let's just go with descriptive, Adventist entrepreneurs and businesses. And so that's exactly what we're going to talk about this evening. And without any further ado, I'd like to invite you to um, bow your heads as we start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege we have to meet via this forum. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us this evening. Speak to us and be with each and every one of our panelists tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Well, I'd just like to welcome each one of our um, guests this evening and give you guys an opportunity to, first of all, just introduce your names and where you're from, um, country, church, etc. And then after that, we'll do, we'll go into businesses. So da -da 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 -da, let's just go around, start off with um, Laura, and then just whoever picks it up, we'll go around. Sure. Hey, my name is Laura, and I live in Preston in Northwest England. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right. Um, my name is Vincent and I'm in Germany right now and I have a music education business. Okay. Uh, da, da, da. Lyndon, Cleo, Olivia, Marvin. Hey, my name's Lyndon. I'm currently serving at uh, the Leicester Central Santa Venza Church in Leicester. Hi, my name is Cleo and I, I worship at Oxford Seventh Adventist Church in Oxfordshire. Um, in the SEC. Hi, I'm Marvin Kabula. I uh, worship at Perry Beaches Church in Birmingham and I live in uh, Leachfield. I'm Olivia and I'm, I live in Birmingham. And so we have a variety of people tonight <laughs> with different backgrounds and experiences. Some people have started their own businesses, some people have um, I guess what we'd call for want of a better term maybe a side hustle business, other people are self-employed. Other people, um, well, there's a variety. So I'd just like to invite, maybe it doesn't have to be the same order, it could be, to go around and just share a few, um, a few sentences, a few, a minute or so, maybe about your business, um, your enterprise, what it is that you do. And yeah, let's go ahead. Introduce yourselves to, the, uh, to your viewers tonight as to um, what you do. Right, so. Well, yeah, I'm Cleo and I have a business that is called Cleo's Kitchen um, and I make vegan treats. So currently I'm making a lot of brownies. Um, so vegan brownies by Cleo's Kitchen, cleoskitchen.com. Um, and by day, I work in health and safety in a company that's make products for diabetic patients. So I'm kind of creating my our own client base, I guess. I don't know, but um, yeah, so. That's where I'm at. Okay, thank you. And the excellent brownies, as I've said before, um, I had a chance to buy some. I bought them for my mother as well, and she loved them too. Anyway, just thought I'd get that in. Uh, next one. <laughs> Laura. You want to I don't mind going next. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, so my name is Laura. Um, I have two fashion brands. So I have a an African inspired clothing and accessories brand. So I make like African dresses and shirts and um, head wraps, bow ties, things like that. So I hand make all of those in my studio. 
Um, and I also have a second brand, which is Christian Apparel. The idea behind it was just basically that we rep brands every day. So why can't we rep our Christianity? So some cool slogans. I'm wearing my Woman of God t-shirt today. Um, and yeah, just I think it's just a cool way to witness. Sometimes you don't get to actually see people or meet people, but they might see you at the airport, train station, and then they get a glimpse of who you are just through your clothing. So yeah, that's the idea behind the brand. Cool. Haven't you just released a new a new a new range of um, shirts? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, beloved, please, beloved, please. <laughs> We're working all morning and and all last night on the the first meme tea, beloved, please. <laughs> I hope my my accent is also as good. Yeah, those those that know know and check out the website and get. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. All right, uh, Olivia, do you want to go next? I'm Olivia. I'm a behaviour therapist for children with special needs. Most of them have autism. Um, so I basically get sought out by families who need help with their children. And I work one-to-one -one with the children in school or at home, mostly at school. Um, and I have been doing that for six years now. Yes, six years. So graduated straight away from the university, kind of just fell into it and thought, yeah, why not take this up full time? So that's what I did. And six years later, I'm here. Um, and I also uh, teach piano um, to any age range, really. Uh, and I've been doing that for, again, six years, kind of like a side thing, because I needed cash at uni. Um, and then I kind of just thought I'd just take it up properly and have kind of kept the same clients who have taken their grades and everything. So yeah, that's what I do, my two things. <laughs> Right. Um, so I have, as I already said, I have a, an online uh, music education business. What we do is we provide uh, an ear training platform, an ear training program to professional musicians or uh, music students. And this has uh, the following background. I have um, myself, I, I have myself been to university, music universities and uh, failed many exams before. And I realized that there is a, a, a need of help there. You know, people need some help uh, passing exams. And so we've developed this program to help uh, the students train their ears and become better. And I also do one-on-one uh, -on -one training with people, um, kind of uh, also what um, Olivia is doing, you know, piano teaching and, and, and just music training. So hey guys, I'm Lyndon. I run a, uh, what's called a digital agency or ARC digital agency. Uh, we focus on creating your digital presence online for um, SMB or small, medium businesses, for nonprofits, for uh, organizations. So what that looks like is creating your presence online. So whether they be your brand, whether they be marketing for you, uh, whether it be creating a website, maintaining that website, we even start, uh, we even do consulting now as well. So making sure that you guys are on the best track when you're starting your ministry, your nonprofit, your business, whatever it is. Um, so that's what we focus on inside Arc Digital Agency. All right, thank you. Uh, hi there, my name is Marvin, Marvin Gabula here. I am based in, in Birmingham. I am, I own a number of businesses. Um, most of my businesses are, uh, I suppose maybe the major business I have is um, that looks at a company that looks after vulnerable children. So um, it's a sector focused company, we work with the local governments. We provide uh, accommodation and support for vulnerable children. And I also own a real estate company. So maybe just to put it simply, 
an estate agency. Uh, we manage properties for developers, investors, uh, landlords, uh, and also I own a property development company. So I'm very passionate about property, buying properties and refurbishing them. Um, maybe if you've been on Homes Under the Hammer, you probably would have seen me a number of times because I featured there, but I'm quite passionate about property and that's what I do. Okay, thank you. Appreciate you guys all coming with your varied backgrounds and experiences. And so the first question I wanted to, I wanted to ask and get into, and that was to ask, each, uh, ask you um, to have your own business, whether it's a main thing or even a side thing, what would you say are some of the benefits that you've experienced personally of, of, of living that way, working that way? What, what, what are the benefits that you would want to share with someone else who hasn't tried that, that's kind of always worked a, a nine to five for someone else? Um, just throw that question out there. Anyone pick it up? I would say for me, it's the freedom. Um, I know that a lot of the time, like I've been heavily involved in church things and I wouldn't be able to actually do or like, or like put my all into that if I had a nine to five job. Because some of the things I end up doing um, in church, like almost end up becoming a nine to five job. So I think just the freedom of being able to be flexible and like, work when you need to whenever you want to it can be at 1am if you really want it can be like you can get up late so that's my favorite thing okay you appreciate the freedom flexibility and time for ministry anyone else want to share what you have experienced as some of the benefits yeah i think really um creative when you um when you have the freedom to do these things, like um, if you if you have a, a, a company that allows to do different projects, right? You can you can really be creative and thinking, okay, what can I try out now that really works, you know, or that that I think that works, you know, just uh, launching something, you know, whether it's a product or service or something, and then and then you see how that goes, and uh, and and you know that can be a big blessing. And also, what has been said, I think, is it's. I would go even further and say that you can incorporate your Adventist identity in your work and kind of unite religion and business, you know, which is uh, groundbreaking because I think that's something what we are to do. Mm. I think, I think for me, I would say. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marvin, go jump on. in. Okay. Okay. Cheers. Uh, I think for me, it's um, freedom. Um, and, and, and profoundly being able to leave a legacy for, for my family. And um, the element of freedom for me allows me just to exercise and do the things that I would like to do and be the one that masters my destiny and where I want to go. And I think those have been always the pushing factors and the very fact that I just like to be in control. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Amen. It's good to be in control of your own destiny. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I would say um, a big one, especially because um, my a lot of my family are in the teaching profession, um, not having to deal with oppressive like line managers that just want to take down. You know, <laughs> I know it might it might sound a bit like oh that's not it's not you can't really appreciate it, but um, the stories I hear and obviously being in schools, um, I can see the dynamics, and because I'm not a part of the school. The schools don't actually employ me. I'm employed by the parents. So uh, the schools can't, it's almost like I'm an outsider, but I'm in there. So a lot of the time I'm hearing all this, all these things about, oh, this person needs me to do this. And I don't, they haven't said that I should do this and all, all this, um, this, this, and this. Um, I don't have to, I'm not in it. 
Um, so it's quite nice not to have um, just that pressure, that added pressure from somebody, um, like you said, Marvin, like telling you what to do, but also just um, somebody dictating to you what you should be doing, especially if what the, the advice that they're giving isn't quite right and you don't agree with mm -hmm. it. Um, so yeah, I would say that's a highlight for me. <laughs> So you've always kind of done your own thing since you since you graduated university, is that correct? Pretty much. Um, I was working for a company, um, kind of an agency, um, like kind of part time um, for like a year or two. And then I was like, no, forget this. <laughs> I need to step away um, and decided to go, go about it by myself. Um, didn't have a clue what I was doing. No clue at all. I just said, Lord, lead me. And he led me. And here I am. Um, like mm. five years later so um, it's worked out for me um, but it was difficult at times but yeah the highlight the highlight the good things are that I don't have to have an oppressive line manager <laughs> Marvin I uh, appreciate that did you have you always done this or did you used to work for someone and you started your own thing just want to kind of answer the question have you always done this or you have you not no, actually I used to I used to so when I did my law when I was doing my law degree in Liverpool um, I used to work for various companies um, in health and social care. And uh, I think what always brought me back then was, um, you know, I felt I could do things better. And I think going back again to the same point that has been mentioned before, uh, sometimes, you know, when you're feeling uh, unappreciated. And I think for me, the other one as well that drove me to setting up my own companies was um, just, just, you know, when you, you know, when you put in all your, all all your best and you try your own and there's no recognition and I thought no I, I this can be done better and that for me was the main drive just to setting up something different that I would enjoy but I've never always done it but um, I think 16 years later I, I find myself still doing the same thing um, you know that I studied 16 years ago so yeah I've been at it for a while uh, and I'm and, and I'm glad to be here and to have made those choices that I made 16 years back. Mm, amen appreciate that. Uh, who hasn't shared yet? Uh, thanks, Brendan. Yeah. Um, I think one of my favorite parts of having these different projects is I get the ability to put it, reinvest into something else. You know, there are various different projects and different things that ARC have thought about doing, have played about with doing. Um, and when you have these abilities, have these side projects, these side hustles of different things going on, you have the ability to do so. You know, you can throw some money towards something, throw some time towards something, throw some marketing efforts towards something and just see what's going on. So I think for me personally, the ability to, to, to take the experience, the financial gain, whatever it is, and put it into something else, um, that is, is my favorite part. And um, yeah, I, I love that, that element of it. Mm, appreciate that. I think for me personally, I think because I still have my nine to five hassle, as well as my job. So I still have, you know, um, all that in the mix. Um, and I think with this particular thing, I think what I like is, you know, some like, I, I don't know if you, a lot of you guys cook or bake, etc. but when you try different recipes and then you finally nail it, and then you're like, right, this is it, that satisfaction. And then when you get people giving you feedback and people's um, coming back for more because they like, you know, what you made for them. I think for me, that's, that's one of the, biggest things that I really 
I really get satisfaction from when, when people say that was fantastic. Can I have that again? Can they you know that was brilliant? Can I have that again? And I know that, okay, what's my next challenge? What can I do next? Well, you know, what is it that I can do so that I can give another thing that's also just as good or if not better? Appreciate that. I know there's probably many other benefits um, that you experience as well. We're just kind of asking for a couple of them because we've got other questions we want to go into. And, and the other one will be kind of on the flip side, maybe not the flip flip side, but just uh, another dimension of the coin. What would what have some of your challenges been slash what are some of the risks that you have had to go over? So challenges or risks um, in doing what you have done. So I think challenges, the late nights, simple late nights. That's one of the bigger challenges because I don't want to rob time from my family. So I always do my, my baking after bedtime, you know, etc. So the late nights or super early mornings or giving up half a Sunday, you know, so that you kind of sacrifice some of the family time. Um, and I think some of the challenge, I think some of the challenges is pushing yourself to say yes, even if you even if you're scared to say yes, but you really want to say no. So for example, someone said, Oh, you know, can you make me some brownies and I want them XYZ? This was when I first first started. And I said, Absolutely, I can make them. And then, you know, made them. They were not, you know, and this was for, for you know for a shop. And then, you know, they came back to me and they gave me some feedback and then they push even a little bit more. And I think sometimes it's just mixing and mixing the two, knowing when to say yes, or shall I say a lot of the time the answer is always yes and then figure the rest out how you're going to you know make that happen mm -hmm. and just mixing with the family time and managing that very well i think that's been it okay i think on my part similar to olivia i started my business while i was at uni to try and get some money um and then so i was doing it just literally like in my spare time um i was kind of working like my placement job I had a cleaning job and then I had this side hustle of making head wraps and stuff just to like get by um and the struggle is just kind of not actually knowing what you're doing if I look back and think someone can ask me like how much money did you make in your first year but I don't know I didn't document any of it I just bought stuff and sold stuff um so yeah not having that business knowledge it, sometimes you're just like I don't have a clue what I'm doing so a challenge is kind of learning on the job and um where you get the knowledge from as well because some of it's wrong so yeah um yeah I I think the stability is always an issue I I know that you know I've been self-employed um basically you know i started when i was in college and then i um and i just i just continued doing what i was doing in college and i never had uh an employer and i remember that you know my parents always looked at it from a kind of a skeptical perspective <laughs> angle saying you know well you want to get to like a real job soon you know because like one one month i'm making like you know less than a thousand dollars and then another month it's like you know six thousand whatever and then but you have to pay the rent every month you have to pay food then there's a car, there's gas, you know, it's every month that's, that's happening. So, so just, you know, you can't really, it's hard to, um, to plan like that. And I think the, the, you know, you can, you can solve this though, by, by offering some sort of product or service that, that gives you some more stability. That's why, you know, so many businesses today have sub subscription services, you know, I think that's, that would be, uh, you know, the other part where, you know, you can actually, yeah, you, the other side of the spectrum where you can solve this. Mm. I think for me, the biggest 
uh, I would go to the risk. I think challenges, you pretty much said them all. But the risk is uh, the public humiliation part, the public failure part. You know, you go on your social media and say, hey, I'm going to launch an ARC. At the time, it was called ARC Web Hosting. Launches web hosting companies, the best web hosting in the world. Everybody should come join in. And then you don't have any clients come through the door. And um, it's something that, as someone from the UK, we have this different mentality of failure. You know, I often say, you think about it in terms of in, in the US, when they are, when you're approaching somebody to uh, to ask them to go out on a date. You know, in the US, you go to a guy, you say, do you want, can I have your number? They say, no, you move on. In the UK, you're building this up for ages. You're really thinking about it. You're really building up. And you, you want to get to, and when they say no, you go home, you go into the fetal position, you're there for a good 24 to 3 hours. And it's this kind of different mindset that we have in the US versus in the, in the, in the UK. And it could be other locations as well, but it's seen it most commonly in the US. So whereas in the UK, when we think about it, like, oh, let's start a business. Oh, it failed. Oh, well, let's move on. Where you start a business, oh, it failed. Well, this is the worst thing in the world. I don't know what I'm going to do now. I guess it's my mom's couch and Netflix. So it's this kind of mentality when it comes to the risk side of things that I was most afraid about. Um, and it was the biggest kind of challenge for me stepping out saying like, if I'm going to start this, I don't want, you know, a couple of months down the line, someone asking the questions like, yeah, that kind of failed. Um, so yeah, that's my opinion on risk, but challenges, you know, everyone else has kind of mentioned. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I like you, you know, I just like to agree with what Lyndon has just said. And I think um, it's the, um, it's the public humiliation. I think that's one of the greatest uh, challenges and I think I had one of them last year uh, where I had to deal with uh, just a massive media spin which was pretty much targeted at um, uh, maybe suppose disparaging the image of my brand and how very well we had done and um, you see with public humiliation comes a massive challenge and you know if, if you're not founded in God it's very difficult to pick yourself up and I, I, I had a very massive challenging situations. And, you know, when, when, you're, when you're walking in church and, and pretty much people with their own conclusions and they're looking at you and thinking, oh, you know, what have you done? You know, or maybe you're probably running a dodgy business. But I always say that the truth always sets people free. But I suppose anything that we do, uh, be it be when you, one is employed or be it when one has, has a business, everything carries risks. Uh, you know, we when we have jobs working for other people, we take out mortgages to buy our homes. Uh, just recently, when 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 we've had this pandemic, we've had uh, the economy shrinking. People have lost their jobs, and you can understand how it all works. And even if you had a business, it's never an insurance and a guarantee that everything will be cush because tomorrow things can also get get hairwise, but it's how you, 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 you position yourself, but also understanding that uh, with greater, greater risks, sometimes there are greater benefits, but also greater challenges as well that go along with that. But um, there are varied challenges and in, in, in risks. And I think one of the other ones are, I, I, you know, I, I found really my early days when I started up my business, while I was starting up my business was balancing my time uh, with my family. And I found that, you know, a lot of the criticism I would get from my wife was, you're not spending a lot of time with us. Uh, you seem to be focusing on what you are trying to work on, but what about us? And then at the time, my, my, my daughter, who's, who's, who's 10 going on 11 next month, she, she, she was only just about a few days. And, 
and it, my business was at its infancy and the drive was just look you know i want to try and create a legacy get something going but that all came at a cost because it created strains in my home and i would come back home my wife would not be happy but that work-life balance took a long time for me to get it all going and eventually when things started shaping and settling then it allowed me to work my way backwards to trying and cementing things so it is it is it is what it is but uh, there, there are sacrifices that one has to take mm. anything else that anyone wants to pick up that that's come to mind since we've done, gone around I was say that um in my line of work a lot of it is um the private education and the families themselves have to and it's very expensive altogether i'm spending a lot of time with the children um, and i'm not cheap so um it when it comes to negotiating prices um it can be a lot of especially because it's very personal i'm i'm in their their lives it's not just oh, okay you're a client i call them my families because it's like you're in their family um so there's some sense of kind of manipulation sometimes and kind of oh but we can't and oh we need and um, and from my perspective obviously i want to help but i still have to remain strong and say well but this is my rate and this is the service i'm going to provide and i have to outline the things that i'm willing to do and not willing to do um again i'm working with children and some families need a lot of help especially the children that i work with who have autism they need a lot of help with just general basics of life um, a lot of them can't do a lot for themselves and um, when it comes to just talking and self-care and using the, the bathroom or things like that obviously it's very personal um, and it, they, a lot of them want some families want me to do certain things that I don't feel comfortable with um, it's all well and good that I've got my DBS check and you know like I'm, I'm I don't feel any type of way um, but um, there has to be a line and it's hard to draw those lines and boundaries when you're so integrated into a family. Hmm. Okay, appreciate you sharing that. Um, I wanted to kind of pivot a little bit and 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 the next question I wanted to ask, and, and I don't know if where my, I don't know if my preconceived idea is shared by you. And if it's not shared by you, then you could just say, hey, Adam, you're off. Let's move on to the next question. All right, and if that's the case, then we'll just move on to the next question. My hunch or gut feeling is that um, there aren't that many businesses in church. And when I say that in church, I don't mean in church in terms of the church structure, though that's kind of a separate question that we could probably discuss another time. When I say in church, I mean in church amongst the membership. Um, my thought is there's not as many as maybe some other countries here in the UK. And if that is true, the question I'll throw out is, if you agree with that, why is it you think there's, A, why would you think there aren't more businesses in church? Um, uh, is there something, you know, what are the reasons for that? And what would church look like if there were more people who worked for themselves or what would some of the benefits be? So kind of a two-phase question, you could uh, go, go for either one, but do any of you guys agree with the, that, that, that idea I'm putting out there or do you think I'm off the mark? um this is something to be honest that i'm extremely passionate about especially being here in the uk i've had the 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 honor of being able to travel and seeing um entrepreneurship business on various different areas in the world and 
as a, uh, in the UK, we are lacking. We are severely lacking, I would say. And this is based on, you know, me doing my own personal research to reach out to people to, to, to see what is happening here in the UK in terms of business, entrepreneurship and so on. I think in terms of the reasons why, I think it's twofold. First of all, a lack of network. You know, um, the different inside church and outside of church communities for entrepreneurship, you know, what are they? You know, the ASI is very strong in different parts of Europe and across the world, but here in the UK, you know, it, it's this thing where you hear that these um, various old rich guys maybe get together and talk about, we don't know, but there's lack of network. But the second thing is, I feel that we kind of practice mediocrity and this, this may just be me, I don't know, but there is this mentality where if you have something, it's okay. You know, as long as we have a minibus, it's okay. The minibus is falling apart, but we have one, so it's okay. You know, and um, because we kind of adopt this nature when we're in church, now we're moving out of church and starting about ideas and businesses and this and that. We have we have a ministry, so it's okay. We have this, so it's okay. And because we are kind of training ourselves from day dot in the you know in in our churches and so on to continue this journey, it's like we're almost trained to think in this way. Um, that's something that I'm like I said I'm very passionate about, and I think that. To answer the second question in terms of how to move away from this and how to actually change this. I mean, the first thing I think we should do is cause like this to kind of build that network. You know, we should start thinking about what that looks like to, to create a stronger network, to create a stronger brand and how we can incorporate this stuff inside the church itself. So um, I think programs like this, having events, having exposure, um, as you will see, it's not necessarily as bad as it sounds to set up a business. It's not as difficult as it sounds. Yes, there are hurdles. Yes, you make mistakes, but that's business. So um, that for me is is some of the, the, the if you will, bugbears about why there isn't as many businesses uh, within the Christian or Adventist circle and why there should be. Um, but that's me. Right. I agree with that. I think that... Um... I think that there's also a big problem in our church as well as in other churches that people have this idea that money, I mean, no one would say like that, but I, I believe that a lot of people kind of think it subtly that money is evil. And if you have a successful business and you have the chance to make a lot of money with your self-employment, whatever, um, that's not God's will, you know? And so we, we have to just abuse our minds of this idea that, um, being able to make money uh, and 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 having basically the uh, the possibility to to um, to be uh, you know have have these the, these things you know the 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 you know literally the means to to provide for mission and all these things this is a good thing so the you know the Bible doesn't say that money is evil the love of money is evil and I think that this is so deeply rooted in uh, in Adventism that. Um, that people uh, now expect, or I don't know how it is in the UK, right? But in the US and especially in Germany where I was born, um, Adventists expect everyone, uh, you know, every other Adventist to do something for free because, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, it's just like whatever service you have, you just do it for free because then you, you just expect it, right? And so it loses this sense of value. And 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 and, and I think we, we need to um, go away from this and, and, and provide more meaningful, uh, valuable services, even among Adventism to... Uh, to, and, and this is how we create, as London was saying, a network of people, network of Adventist entrepreneurs um, 
and 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 we can abuse ourselves from the from the thought that that you know just making money for ourselves is a bad thing. We we just had a comment online, and maybe uh, I, I'll throw it out there, see what you guys think. And and the, the comment said that you know a lot of our parents, um, for those of us who were born here, um, or even if you weren't born here, you can kind of understand the mindset. Our parents came here, and they often worked more menial jobs when they came to the UK from you know whatever country they came or they may have come here and, and, and went straight to university but they kind of wanted and and pushed us to get an education to have stability and so the idea that after you've got your education and your stability you'll then go off and do a risky entrepreneurship is kind of throwing that idea of stability away and so it's not so much encouraged like get your education and go and go with me a doctor a lawyer a teacher or whatever, because that's stable, it's solid money, as opposed to just, you know what I mean? I, did, did you find that mindset prevalent? That was just a comment that came online. I kind of, I thought that may resonate with some. Do you know what I find funny about the, this statement? Because I've heard it quite a few. Some of my clients have said the same thing when they want to create a startup. Um, the parents are concerned about them making a risky decision to you know, create a startup and create a business. However, they were very confident in moving from an entirely different continent to come to the UK in the hope that there's jobs for them to take on. Do you see what I'm saying? So I, I find that, that question very amusing. I don't tell them to say that to their parents, but I do find that point very interesting when it comes up about them losing It's true. So you get on a ship and you, and you sail in the 1966 from one continent to another and you have no idea if there's a job when you get there. That is, that is a very... That's a, that's a very risky. But however, in this society now, where you can make millions of pounds by playing video games, however, I don't want you to be an entrepreneur. No, no, it's too far. Become a doctor. But sorry, Laura, go on. I completely agree with with you, Lyndon, on this one, um, and the comment that's been shared online. I think, I think there's, I think Adventists are some of the most educated people on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are. So we have so many degrees and PhDs and masters in our churches left right and center we've got people marketing degrees we've got people who are teachers who are therapists who are property we've got people everywhere mm -hmm. and we i think there's a fear of failure within so and, and the fear of the unknown and the fear of you know if i if i tell somebody oh you know i want to start a business or you know say for example you know i want to i'm making cakes and you know oh i can make a cake how much is that 50 pound Oh, I'll pay you fifteen pound, and you know, you know, and and that's the people in church who are saying these things to you, and then you're then gonna think, well, what's the point of this? But then you're then not expanding your circle. You're just going to the people that you know, and then they're not sub sub. They they might not be supporting you, and then so you then are scared to go outside to people that you don't know, because the people that are around you that you do know are just kind of like, ah. I can make a cake. Oh, I can make that. Oh, I can build a website. But then they don't want to support this small business. They'd rather go to Tesco instead. And so I think it's the fear of the unknown. I think it's one of the biggest ones. And I think it's we don't take what we learn and put it into practice. So we don't have, I think we lack in faith when it comes to business within our churches. We lack in faith. We don't move in faith. We just kind of, we want things to be set and be known and then go for it. And then we just fear to fail. Mm. Mm. Any thoughts, Marvin, on that one, or should we move on to the next one? Um, yeah, I think I think we all have it in us to to to, to start something, and I, I don't think 
you know, you always be possible that all of us can have businesses. And I think that's a fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the way you know we we view things will always be different, and the way we would process, uh, you know, certain levels of risk around our spheres of influence is always going to be different. But I think business can be taught. Uh, being entrepreneurial can also be taught. Mm. Uh, it's something that we can all learn, and we can also mentor each other uh, in business, and also understanding that uh, when I finish my university degree. Uh, you know, if I've gone and done medicine, I can actually open up my own practice and be and be entrepreneurial about, you know, about having a certain course. Um, you know, we, we have our panelists here who've done music and who are actually teaching music and they're being entrepreneurial about being mu doing music. So there is so many things that we can do. And I think I think our church in our church, we need to encourage each other a lot more. And I think the benefits of of encouraging each other a lot more is that. You know, can you imagine an environment in our church where a lot of people in our church are entrepreneurial? Our church will not struggle resourceful in terms of resources. We won't struggle. Uh, we won't be talking about, you know, lack of monies in our church or if we needed to get this done. And the members would contribute because they, they, they are endowed with resources to be able to do so. But I think you are right in your question when you say that uh, there is few, there could be a lot of us. Uh, and I think what we tend to want to focus in, our, in the Adventist church is that if we see somebody successful in a particular line of business, we all want to go into that particular line of business, even when it's not your call. I can't, I can't challenge and want to go down Linden's path on digital marketing because I haven't got a clue about digital marketing. And I can't, I can't even go into clothes designing. I've never designed, let alone not a handkerchief. And, and it's just sticking to what you know and sticking to your lane. And if there is something that you know about a particular thing, um, you know, you know, one of the panelists was talking about, you know, baking and, and, and making, uh, you know, there's certain people, but it's about encouraging each other. And if we create some small little economies within our church, I think our church will do remarkably very well. Mm. Can you just add to, to, to Marvin's point quite a bit? I think it's also amazing kind of imagining what it would be like if uh, we did have many more of us being entrepreneurial and business owners and so on. Some of the methodologies that we use in business, which are mundane, they're standard, they're normal. Imagine we brought that into the church. Like let's say for example, um, a, a visitor comes into the church. We capture the email and we create a drip campaign, which we do in business all the time. The first email says, hey, I'm the pastor of the church. I really wanna hear how your experience was. The second one introduces one of the ministries. The third one uh, reminds me to come back to church on the Sabbath. Like these are the things that we use in business all the time. Um, can anyone name me a church that uses a drip campaign or a you know a specific type of website, a web web design on a page that follows a story brand model or anything of that nature? But but if we did this, we had more people had an entrepreneurial spirit in church, and these things wouldn't be these groundbreaking ideas. They'd be normal, you know. So you know, to found Marvin's point, there is so much more, so much amazing things we could do in the church if more of us were business-minded, entrepreneurial, and so on. I think in church, we take advantage of each other. I think like what Marvin was saying, I think there's a lot of people, like I know somebody who makes amazing shea buttercream and people were like, oh, can I have a bottle and I'll pay you next week? And can I have one and I'll pay you in three weeks time? And you don't do that when you go anywhere else. So why do you feel you can do that when you come to church and somebody that you know? It's the lack of respect. 
And I think there's there is that within our churches and people will literally be like, oh, you know, Olivia, oh, she's so lovely. I'm sure she can, you know, she'll just give me a pass if I say, can you just tutor my child? Because, you know, you, you know, I'm really struggling, you know, God will be with you, you know, God will bless you if you do this for me. I think there's that lack of respect, a little bit of manipulation. And I think, you know, like dare I say, I think there are people who just don't do things because they don't like you. I don't like Lyndon, so I'm not going to support him. I don't like Laura, so, you know, no, actually, I'm not going to do that. I think there is an element of that. And I yep. don't know if that's just me who's, a, who, who, who's, who's experienced that, but I think there is that. Uh, I'm not going to buy her products because I don't really like her. Mm. I think, just, just, a little, just a little brainwave. And I think maybe one of our challenges in our church is that maybe when we're setting up businesses, we're not, we, don't, we don't set our stalls so big uh, we, we set our stalls so small. And I think, you know, the greater challenge and the bigger question that needs to be asked is that when we are setting up businesses, in order for people to respect us in business, we need to know our value. We need to know our worth. Uh, you know, it takes time for somebody to be awake all night creating policies and procedures. Lyndon, it takes time for you to be making digital marketing platforms for people and a lot of sacrifices and all that. And I think when we are setting up businesses as Adventists, we need to make no apologies and make them big. And that could be attractive for other people and other brethren in our church. I think sometimes we kind of down it, we downplay it, and people don't see exactly how God blesses us. But if we took it all out there and even to our brethren, so much so that our stores are very clear, it will attract a lot of our brethren in wanting to do something bigger and bigger for God. Amen. Appreciate your points, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of move on, and I just want to encourage those who are watching now. So, uh, and I posted something on Instagram, my Instagram story today, and it said something along these lines: like, when the lockdown lifts, don't run back to McDonald's and KFC to buy the food that you've been missing. Go to the small, I don't know, small kebab shop, the small pizza shop that's privately owned, because they're the ones who are struggling. McDonald's is gonna be fine, you know post-lockdown you know they're not going to be hurting for money but there's a lot of small businesses out there that will so i think the same thought is you know when there's a there's a, there's a there's a an adventist in church they've got a little clothing business a little cake business or they've got another business it, you know it may be that their price is slightly higher than someone else's they, they're just getting going support them anyway you know and i think we should support our own and network amongst our own um more than just i'm gonna save two pound and go here or one pound fifty and go there um, anyway, I wanted to move on. And, and the next question would be something practical. We've got people watching and some of them would be thinking, okay, that's great. I see someone's got property, someone's got clothing, someone's got, you know, digital or someone's got, you know, child, child education. Could each one of you just give me maybe two practical steps um, or, or something like that? Just, just um, what are some practical steps that you have found that were very important that you've put in place in how to start up yourself, uh, a business or a business? side hustle or a whole a whole way of life um some practical steps now to someone who's, who's watching what would you say important things that they need to do or to share um marvin i'll start with you that's okay um i think being able to be a visionary uh being able to envision i think for me that that was a practical step for me being able to envision and see where i was going um, when I was able to do that, it made it very easy for me to go through the process because I knew where I was going. So I would say being able to envision. Okay. Casting like a big vision forward. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think for me, it's take the first step. So I think 
the analogy that Lyndon gave at the beginning, like in the US, when you approach a girl, you ask for the number, they say no. You know, so for me, I went into a vegan takeaway shop and I said, guys, I make cakes. Would you like to try some? And they were like, sure. And then that's how and now I supply them on a weekly basis. And so I think you take that first step and don't be afraid to hear the word no, because no will help you to grow. Mm. I think I would add, um, I think Marvin touched on it before. Do your research. Like, if you don't know the industry, don't pretend to know the industry because you just, it's not going to work out. Like, I can't do marketing. I suck at marketing. Marvin's a property guy. I know nothing about properties. I'm rubbish with cars, like things like that. I can play a violin, but I could not teach anyone how to do it because I don't have the patience. So it's like, what have I studied? What have I always wanted to do? What am I passionate about? What's something that I could do every day without feeling like I hate this? Like, I love sewing. I love designing. I love creating things. Um, and I've been like making things for the past like maybe 16 years now so it's something that I know I've done placements in the industry I've like worked for other brands freelance um it's like yeah research your business get to know it inside and out um and yeah don't just leap into something that looks fun mm. Is there such a thing? Is there such a thing as easy money? No, no, nope. <laughs> no. If there is, it, I haven't found time. it yet. It's like it, it, t- t- it takes time, and it's and, not legal and, anyway. Yeah, it takes time. <laughs> <laughs> the fruits, but it's like, then I saw the growth from before, and they assume, oh, she's, oh, you just got there, like you just. Oh, you just made it, and it's like <laughs> you weren't there. Well, I didn't, I didn't have the money to put fuel in my car. You weren't there, um, and I was gonna go back to the previous question as well, slightly. Sure, sure. Uh, that was to... kind of a little interject question. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, doing things for free. Um, don't. Yes, obviously, not know your worth, but like help other people out. Like, don't just be expecting that someone who doesn't know you, you, like doesn't have a clue what you're about, is just gonna just throw money at you. That's not, <laughs> that's not how it works. Do something for free and don't do it for free expecting a return. Do it for free just to do it. Um, like, just, yeah, yeah, that would be my thing. Get the experience, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Appreciate that. Are you gonna yeah, share I think, something? I think, oh yeah. Um, sorry, me? I'll just talk until someone stops me. Um, I think to answer your question, I mean, to answer your question about is there quick money? I don't believe there's quick money. I believe there is potential for you to earn money without having any mistakes. So you have you have no mishaps and it just seems to be easy money because you never reach it. And it's very infrequent that happens, but that's possible. But I think there's, uh, you know, uh, easy to get money rather than quick money. But my two things for me in terms of anybody who wants to get started the first thing I would do is actually have an idea or a plan or something you want to do. Um, and it doesn't have to be innovative necessarily. It can be anything. If it is innovative, great, because there's a bigger need for it. You know, um, one of the things that could have worked, so let's say with COVID. So at the moment, every single uh, pretty much church or entity is doing a live stream. Imagine if somebody had collated all the big ones from all the conferences, took it on one, you know, website, adventist.life, and then 
there you go. You can add some APIs, see what's live and what's not. Bankable adverts on that. Boom, you've got a, you know, you have something. So uh, I'm just spitballing, but think of just different things that, you know, is going on and different ideas that you can produce and go from there. And once you have that, and I will always stress this, get your top five, your, your, your business plan featuring your top five. You need to know your, have an idea, how you're going to sell it, how you're going to market it, who your team is, and what your finances look like. Like, and it's okay if it doesn't work out the way you planned it, but the key part is you planned it. So as Laura says, you do your research, you understand it. You know, there are people that, um, I had a client that came to me the other day and um, she wanted to, no, sorry, he wanted to look at selling soaps. Um, he was down in, in uh, Scotland somewhere, or up in Scotland. He wants to sell soaps. He had no idea that there was actually an entire uh, body that um, looks at the health and safety aspects of soap. He hadn't factored this into any of his costs. He had no idea. And so this kind of changed his plan entirely. So my recommendation would be make sure that you you go through a business plan, create a business plan with the top five. Okay. Once you've done that, then you've got a good idea. Appreciate it. I wanted to throw another question that's just come in, and maybe this bounces off something Olivia said, but I think maybe it's something you can all relate to, is that when when you're starting up, and I know Marvin, you said, you know, cast big. Um, when you're starting up, how do you balance um, doing pro bono work um, in a sense, like you just want to, you, you, you want to get, get some tracks. And so like, you maybe you, you do something for free or something like that. How do you balance pro bono work with, with charging for your work, especially when you're trying to develop something and get it going? Anyone? I think, I think it's important to have an official kind of presence. So for example, you know, if I, if you come to me and say, you know, how much can I get this? And then I say 10 pound to you and then five pound to him and then seven pound to him and then two pound for him because different people I know them or I don't know them I think consistency and things that are written down and things that are and then being able to say you know what um I'm gonna do this for you um for free because you are doing a fundraising for you to go on a mission trip so I will bake you a tray of this and you know this is my this is my contribution towards your it's you know like that kind of thing and I think it's important then to to know that not everybody not, not the word is not deserved. Not everybody has the right to ask for something for free of you and you don't always have to say yes. And I guess when you're saying, when do you then, when do you balance? When do you find that balance? I think for me, it's when, when, when are you gonna start? When are you starting to be serious? When are you now being serious about this? That this is now an income and not just as, you know, something on the side just because I like to do it so I want to do it for free but actually no this is an income I'm going to account for it I'm buying ingredients like so it's knowing when you want to start being serious is what I'll say mm. anyone else want to one or two answers think, more than that I think for me it's, it's and this is a question I get quite often it depends on the end goal that you want from the situation that you're doing so um I guess it's real talk. This is very open. Uh, what we're doing right now in within my business is we've opened up some free consultancy sessions. So for an hour, you can have a consultancy session with me or one of the consultants around anything you want. Now, um, cost-wise, that's costing around about two and a half to three hours of time. That time could have been used to do something else. We could have looked something else. We could have been outbound contact campaigns. We could do anything. But our goal at the end of that 
is that the the client will give the option to provide feedback. That feedback goes on Trustpilot and on our website, and we have loads of feedback we can give to a customer or client or to somebody. So my answer to that question is, what is the end benefit to you when you give that free product? So let's say, for example, um, if you, um, you know, there's Aunt Flossie at church who really heard about your soap and it smells pretty good and wants a free sample, what is going to be the end product? Are you going to get a sales? Probably highly unlikely. So you can choose whether to do that or not. But if there's an influencer who's contacting you as a bigger deal and, and you're saying, right, well, if I give them the soap, they can give me a review. Or if I, you know, do this service, then I can get that back from it. It's not necessarily about being selfish, but being wise with your product, your service, your time. At the end of the day, that's the key part here. You know, the the there was a saying that I heard once is, um, it's not your time that's valuable. In fact, yeah, you don't get paid based on your time. You get paid based on the value you provide during that time. So, you know, it's it's what you can provide else during that time. So you can give something out for free, but just think to yourself, what is it that I can gain? What is it that I can build? Am I going to get a potential client? Am I going to get a review? Am I going to get a lead? Is this going to lead to something else? So that's what I'd say to that. Think about what the next steps are after you give that free product. You should, you should always have a free product as like a teaser, something out for the people to. And then you say, you know, like for example, Lynn said, if you have a phone call with someone, uh, that phone call is not there to actually counsel and, and consult them uh, for a whole hour. You want to sh show them that there's a need why they should uh, schedule a second call with you, right? So you want to, mm -hmm. if you give something out for free, you have to do it. Um, but you make sure that this is actually the purpose of this free product or service that you give is to lead them into your paid service, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Going to go into the next question, but I just wanted to kind of share a point that someone came in. It kind of re relates to the last point that we talked about when we were discussing church. I just wanted to bring it up. And that was that the person said that we need to think that your marketplace of your business doesn't have to be, be, be church members. And you've got to think bigger than that. And if, if you're just relying on that for your business, then maybe you, you, you're going you're gonna to have a rocky start and a rocky middle and a rocky end as well. So um, it's good. It's important to think bigger than that. And at the right time, you know, people will catch on and, and, and join or, or, or see the ideas that you're doing. I wanted to ask the next question, which was kind of uh, transitioning from that and asking what opportunities have you had for witnessing um, that you wouldn't have had if you didn't work for yourself? I think for me, I think. Um, <laughs> okay, Marvin and Marvin and Laura. Did you want to start? Well, Laura and Marvin. <laughs> okay. I was just going to say, um, so one of my friends gave me the idea to put glow tracks in parcels. So every time I send a head wrap, and right now with COVID-19, masks are actually paying my bills. I can't lie. So... Every time I send it's a mask, um, I have to, well, I don't have to, but the aim is that they'll also get a glow track. And I pray first. I'm like, Lord, what does this person need? You know them. I don't know who they are. Like, which one of my glow tracks do they need today? Um, and I'm just like, randomly pick one. I'm like, cool, that's what you get. And I've never had anyone complain and say, stop putting, you know, things about Jesus in my parcels. Um, the tagline of my brand is fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, just being able to be self-employed gives me the freedom to add that. Like, I'm not 
I don't I've never hidden the fact that I'm a Christian it's all over my bio if you look on my Instagram you'll see it and um I think also with Stay Lit even in quarantine I was able to like witness to someone I went out for a walk with my family I was wearing a Jesus Loves You sweater and I, I forgot like it's now just normal to me to wear this stuff so I was walking and then some random old man was like hey sister and I was just like uh hello and he was like oh she's my sister and she he came really close. I think he forgot there was a global pandemic. Starts giving me a track. And I was like, oh, no, do I take it? Do I not? Do I say, oh, it was, it was slightly hilarious. But um, we got talking and um, I can't remember what denomination he was from. But he was like, yeah, after this is over, we should go to each other's churches and so on and so forth. And I was like, if I wasn't wearing the sweater, we probably wouldn't have talked. We wouldn't have, like, communicated. And it was just a really nice thing to be able to speak to him. So, yeah. Okay, appreciate that. Uh, Marvin? Yeah, I think um, the, the, I think one of my greatest opportunities I've had, um, you know, through my work uh, in witnessing for, for God and, you know, Jesus has been through to um, where I've taught quite a lot of, I've done quite a lot of seminars where I've taught uh, various people about entrepreneurship. And um, I've had opportunities to even travel abroad and, and present to uh, Seventh-day Adventist churches where they've invited members of members of the community to come in, uh, young people who are wanting to be entrepreneurs. And that's actually given me an opportunity to uh, uh, to witness for Jesus. Yeah. Mm. Amen. One of the things I'll say is don't feel, especially in business, that you need to be directly doing something to be a witness. You know, um, with, with ARC, we aren't, uh, it's a digital service. We're not able to share glow tracks every time a customer signs up. But what we can do is um, all our team are off in their respective countries, um, those who work abroad, Friday uh, Friday night to Saturday night. So obviously they're curious as to why and we explain. You know, originally when we first opened, our packages were based on characters from the Bible. So the basic package was Zacchaeus because he's the smallest and so on. So you don't need to be um over in your marketing method you don't need to be necessarily too direct in that so it's okay to be a bit softer as you in your approach but it's about you as a person and the ethos that you can give as well it doesn't have to directly be about you saying about this amazing package mm. anyone else want to share Work. um it's actually really important for me to share about myself um they in order to build up that relationship with the clients with the families i they actively encourage me to to talk to them about who i am they want to know they're like okay so what are you about so you go to church okay what does that mean um and a lot of them are uh, sikh hindu muslim um catholic um and they they want to know they want to know what i'm doing what i'm about uh, what i'm doing on the weekend and I'm always like, yeah, I went to church. They're like, oh, um, especially my, the new clients that I have. Oh, okay. And you go to church on Saturday. Why is that? And then we get into a conversation and a lot of them respect me so much more because I, um, I am willing to share with them myself. I'm, I'm putting myself um, in a situation where I'm, it's not about being judged. It's not about um, me thinking, 
or you maybe you're not going to like me because I'm Christian and you're thinking I'm going to impose any views on your child. It's not about that. It's about um, building up a relationship with the families and building up that level of trust, um, feeling that they know me and I end up becoming a part of their family almost because they do know me and they do appreciate me. They know what I'm about. They know what I stand for. They know I have morals and I'm respectful. And that's so important when working, working in general, but specifically also working with children. I think um, a lot of the times it's like what, um, what Linda was saying, it's not, you know, the things that you do overtly, like, you know, but it's, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you conduct yourself as a person, the way that you, you know, you, you know, you, you keep to your word and you're not, you're not contradictory. And a lot of the times is people will see your character and through the contact that they have with you. And then they ask, why are you always like this? Or why are you always like that? And then when they ask those questions, then you have the opportunity to, to then have a, you know, a chat with them on a deeper level. Mm. Okay. Um, next question I wanted to ask um, would be on, do any of you want to share what role mentors have played in your journey? Um, have you had any mentors that have helped to guide you? Have you been able to mentor anyone else? Is there anyone that's had that experience? I know some of you said when you started out, you just kind of, you didn't really know anything and you kind of had to figure some things out, but maybe there was a, a role that mentors played with you. Anyone want to pick up that question or, or share your experience with that? I think I um, personally was yes, free. Yeah. The same thing is hard. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, um I personally was given a mentor by Princess Trust. So um initially I didn't actually want to be self-employed straight away. So I had like a whole year of just applying for jobs, getting absolutely known. Um but after that year, because I was self um was unemployed for the year I was able to apply for like Prince's Trust things um and they gave me a mentor for free for two years and she really helped me to like establish the basics just like this is how you do your costings this is how you do this this is what you can focus on this is how you can do your marketing um and she put me in touch with people who helped my business to grow into what it is today even something as simple as saying like the name um change the name because it doesn't reflect what you do um, and I would have never seen that on my own and by myself, but um, she was able to help me um, and mentor me in that way. Um, but I'd also add that Marvin, I don't know if you remember, but I went to Perry Beaches a while back. Um, I think one of the first times I went and he heard that I had a business and he actually gave me encouragement and was like, you know what, not everyone's going to understand this, um, but you're doing a great job and you're doing really well. And even Though it, I don't know if I'd class him as a mentor, but he was somebody who really encouraged me in business. And I'll never forget that because I know he's a businessman. I know he's doing great things. And to hear that somebody who's doing great things thinks you're doing great things really helps you to think, you know what? If he thinks I'm doing all right, I'm going to keep going. So thank you for that. I don't know if I've ever said thank you. So No, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Okay, Olivia, then Vincent. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, in my line of work, um, there are consultants who actually set out a programme uh, for the children that I work with. 
and then I'm the one that delivers the program and helps the other tutors um, liaise with everybody in the schools and everything. Um, and there are um, consultants that I've worked with that have made such a massive impact on my outlook towards um, the, what I do and also encouraging me to become a consultant, which I hope I, I actually do next year um, and start my master's. Um, and it's just those key people who took the time to say, okay, you need to start doing this, you need to start doing that, um, try try this, try that, oh, I've got this free thing that you can try, or just speaking to me on the phone, taking some time out, like on a Sunday and saying, right, we need to go through this, this is what, we, this is, um, this is something that we're trying to work with and explaining to me also their thought processes. So not necessarily saying, looking at my situation and saying, this is what you need to do, but also letting me in on what they're thinking and where they're going so that I can, I can see, right, okay, you're thinking this way. This is how I get to this level. This is how I, I better the, the child. Um, ultimately, it's about the child. This is how I better the child by thinking um, in a slightly different way. And that can help that child grow and develop. Um, so there, there's certain consultants, and especially because I'm self-employed, a lot of it is down to reputation in terms of clientele. Um, and because we have that rapport, um, I've not had to advertise so much because you build up that relationship with the consultants, which are essentially my mentors, and then they recommend you to to families. Um, and it just, it, but in my line of work, it's just so important to have those people who are willing to take the time out just to help you along a bit. It's like it's been amazing, amazing. Mm. Amen. I think my my challenge was uh, when I when I started off in business, I um I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a mentor, but um. Uh, I suppose the the will and the zeal to do something greater and bigger was something that was, you know, that it was something that was, you know, that that was within me. And I I remember I I, I struggled at first, but one thing that I did my I did for myself, which was maybe perhaps uh, groundbreaking for me and helped me quite a lot. I I I remember I I went online and uh, I looked for a business coach. And uh, I managed to find, uh, it was odd because I, when I went online, I managed to find a professor who taught business in, uh, in the Warwick, 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 Warwick uh, Business School. And, and um, I, I engaged him and I, I think I only did about three, four sessions with him. And he was expensive because I remember he would charge me for him and just come and see me. He was charging me around about 600, 750 pounds a session. But I learned a great deal from him. Um, but I, I remember I made a vow that if ever I was going to be successful, anytime and even up to today, when I hear young people talking about business or anybody wanting to go to business, if they need my help and support, I, I just light up. And I, 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 I tell myself that, look, if there's anything that can be done to support our young people, even in our church or even our brethren when they want to set up, by all means, we can do it and support one another. But clearly, though, um, you know, having a mentor is the greatest asset. But I think the, the, the zeal of wanting to get out there and do and do it bigger is what really is the main pivotal thing in everything that one can do. Amen. Vincent, appreciate yeah. you. Thank you. Um, really quickly, I, I, I had a um, and when I started the business in California, I had a, uh, a group of Christian uh, entrepreneurs, not Adventist entrepreneurs, but Christian 
at least the mentor, the main guy was, he was a Christian. I don't know about the other businesses. And uh, that was the first exposure that I've had um, to like stuff like a mastermind group and these things. And, and like, you know, what previous people have said here in this, in this chat is that um, my parents were really believing in my whole idea of becoming an entrepreneur. They had no idea about business development and all these things. But this one guy, this random Christian dude from, from San Diego, uh, he, he really believed in, in, in my product and in my business. And, um, and that was so beautiful to see, you know, I did pay some money, um, to be a part of this group. Uh, but I just did it for like a month or two. And then I just, uh, that was enough mo motivation for me to continue growing. And I think that, um, now we have an enormous privilege because we have since, uh, you know, it's been a couple of years, but there, there are some people in our church who have started this Adventist community of entrepreneurship and uh, of entrepreneurs. And, and, uh, and that's, um, you've probably heard of it before. It's uh, Hive or Hive International. And, and this uh, community, it gives you a great um, yeah, basis. So if you go to an event, I was going to the very first Hive camp that was in Germany in Berlin uh, many years ago. Uh, and I, and I remember I was just like, wow, those are Adventist entrepreneurs around the world uh, who are coming together and they have the same mindset. They believe in the Sabbath. They believe in, you know, the things that we believe in the Bible and all these things, but they are self-employed. You know, it's so amazing to see. And that's really motivating too. So I think that's something that we can all take advantage of. Amen. Appreciate that. All right, guys, last question. I'll give you 20 to 30 seconds each. Um, and the question would be, what would you say... What words of encouragement would you say to someone who's listening and watching and is thinking, oh, wow, you know, maybe I could start something different or maybe my life could go a different trajectory or, or whatever. What encouragement would you give someone watching, just real short, each one of you to share some words of encouragement from yourself with someone who's watching now or will watch later on on, on the catch up? Um, if God has put something on your heart to do it, be obedient and walk in it. And that's my encouragement because I know that I kept trying to be employed even after being self-employed for a while. I'm like, no, no, and just, just let me be stable. I don't want to do this. But God is like, no, Laura, I called you to be here. You're going to be here. And it's easier if you just obey. So just okay. do it. <laughs> I, um, I think what I would say to anybody wanting to start in business is that you will suffer. Um, you, you will suffer and you'll suffer a great deal, but persevere. And in persevering, uh, great things do come. And um, you will have times where you will doubt yourself, but if you have a vision in you, you know where you are going, uh, just persevere and great things do come. Mm, amen, thank you. Don't, don't sit in your room for six months or a whole year trying to work on something uh, that you wanna sell or propose to the, to, to the world as fast as possible, get your product or your service out there. Just do a quick landing page for a couple of uh, dollars or you know pounds, whatever. Uh, get it out there and then see if people react. If your friends like it, your family likes it, um, there's actually people buying it, then you can start developing the product. Don't wait in your room until you have it finished because that's never going to happen. And maybe if it happens, people are not going to like it because it's something that you'd like and, and you think people like, but they don't need it. So uh, just get it out there. Hmm. I would say don't be afraid to reach out I think more so now more than ever you can reach anybody you want to reach through Instagram through Facebook everyone everywhere has a, a handle or something of some sort 
I can message Fred Hammond if I was into music, if I really wanted to, and he might respond or he might not respond, you know? And so for me personally, I would say, reach out to people that you know are in the same industry as you. Don't be afraid to ask some questions. Don't be afraid to ask them for help. You know, I've got people that I'm reaching out to who are in the similar kind of industry, who are Adventists, who are giving me great advice and reach out, reach out and don't be afraid to ask questions. I think for me, it's, um, it's okay that you're not necessarily the best person to run your business, which I know does sound crazy, but that is okay. Um, the, the founder of Gymshark isn't actually the CEO. He actually does other things. He's not the CEO of his own company. And that's okay. When you get started, you've got this great idea. Focus on that idea. You know, reach out to people and get them happy with all the other stuff. Um, there's nothing wrong with you not being the best at running the business. It's all about you getting to grips with that idea. So make mistakes, break things. Um, for a while, for a hosting company, you couldn't send emails to um, Hotmail clients. So everybody that we had in our service couldn't send to Hotmail, to Live, all that kind of thing. We made the mistake. It was the sweatiest 36 hours of my life, but we learned from it. Make mistakes, you move forward. So I'll say make mistakes and reach out to the people because you may not be the best person to actually build and start running the company, but you can be the best person to continue running it if you so see fit, if you reach out. I would say um, just, just one step. That's all it takes. Um, try to just have a few seconds they say all it takes is like well maybe this is from a film not sure um but like 30 seconds of courage you know um just one step just to take just to remove any fear and just go for it because you just never know and um remember the big picture remember why you are doing this all the time um don't think that you have to have it all sorted out just take your time and remember why you're doing this um, and where you want to be. Mm. Appreciate that. Thank you guys for taking the time to be here. I know it's um, encouraged people who are watching and I thank you for sharing your experiences and also your words of wisdom, your challenges, the risks you've had and the benefits that you've experienced. I think, you know, we, we should probably do more of this um, here and building networks between different businesses and, and, and you know young business people throughout our conference. So thank you guys for taking the time, and um, really appreciate that. Let's uh, we're going to close with a word of prayer, and then then we'll we'll end our live stream. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had tonight to discuss this very important question and uh, the idea of how we can uh, create businesses and. And, and enterprises that will support ourselves, that will be a witness, that will benefit the church and things like that. I pray, Lord, for each one of our panelists this evening. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them, bless their families, bless their businesses, and bless their ministries. I pray, Lord, for those who have been watching and the burdens that you may have placed on people's heart while they're watching, or that you may have kindled that fire that has been maybe dormant for a while, that you would, I pray that you would show them the steps they need to take and give them a the courage to, to take a step, to risk something, to, uh, to even suffer, as, as Marvin said, but also to persevere in their dreams and goals in life. I pray, Lord, that you would um, lead and guide, and I pray, Lord, that you'd bless each one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.